First Peter uh, chapter 1. Again, let us begin at the first verse. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that shall never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a Father who judges each man impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. 
he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so that your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. This evening we want to look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and uh, those verses 22 and 23. 22 and 23, uh, Peter writes, Now that you have been purified yourselves, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. There is that special bond of fellowship between members of, of the Church of Christ. Peter calls it Philadelphia, love for the brethren. Uh, The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians 6, Do good unto all men, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Do good unto all men. But Peter, it's not enough to tell them to do good. He has to explain the whole basis of their relationship one with the other. For if we understand that relationship, then we can see better the privileges or roles and responsibilities to one another. Uh, Speaking of the Lord Jesus in verse 8, Peter says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And uh, John writes, For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. Brotherly love is proof of our salvation. It's an integral part of our being a Christian, an indispensable aspect of our being part of the body of Christ. Peter here outlines for them, and indeed for all Christians, three things. The marks of love, the efficient cause of love and the divine origin of that love. First of all, the marks of love. Uh, It is possible for people to talk about love, to maybe make it seem that they do love and yet have very little love in them. The Judas, Judas, of course, as we know, gave a great display and uh, 
many people were taken in for a long time that Judas really loved the Lord, but he was the one who betrayed him. Psalm 55, his speech is smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are a drawn sword. F.B. Meyer writes, We are all tempted to profess more than we feel. How much more refusive we are to our friends than our thoughts of them sometimes warrant. How often we are one thing to their face and another to their back. How subtly we are tempted to maintain appearances. And uh, Peter here uses the word, or the word that is translated, certainly uh, he talks about uh, sincere. That's the word I was looking for, sincere. Our English word is made up of two Latin words, sine and carry. I don't know, do you watch those programs about antiques that you get on the television at times? You know the way it is, they, 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 they manage to bring up something and you say, oh, I remember we had one of those and we threw it out. Or I had one of those and I gave it to the Wains and they destroyed it. Uh, and then you discover that it's worth hundreds of pounds nowadays. Well, uh, sometimes you get a, a, a piece of porcelain uh, and it's really valuable if it's, if it's whole, if it's complete. But then sometimes maybe it has got a crack in it or maybe it has been repaired. There's a lady up near where we live and I'm told that she specializes in repairing porcelain. But the expert can look at it and the expert can see where it is, where it has been uh, put together again. And, and the term there is sinecura, without wax. If it's without wax, it's whole, it's complete, it is the genuine article. And so Peter here says, here is one of the marks of the Christian's love for one another. It must be complete. It must be without wax. It must be sincere. And you know, sometimes the rest of the church might think that here's somebody and they're absolutely sincere. And in some parts of the country, they even use that term uh, for a Christian. Oh, he is sincere. The further west you go, you find that. But are they? And does the Lord know if they're sincere? But not only sincere mark of the, 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 the Christian here, uh, Peter says that they are pure. They're with a pure, a pure heart. Um, though through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorify him. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, you have sincere love for your brothers. Love one another deeply, from the heart. You know, it can be a great temptation at times to do the right thing for the wrong reasons. And uh, is there not that danger of wanting to be well thought of? 
either by someone we know or indeed by others in general, and, and maybe even by ourselves, to, to feel good. You remember what the Saviour says over uh, in Matthew chapter 6. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. It's necessary for us always to search our hearts. Just because we say the right things and seem to be doing the right thing, there's always a danger of that impurity coming in. The selfish aim uh, to love the brethren, we are told here, is the right thing with a pure heart. And then and then the other thing that... Uh, that Peter says here is to love them deeply. Love them deeply. There's one, only one other place uh, in the New Testament where that, that word deeply uh, is, is used. And it's uh, when, in the Acts of the Apostles, when Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer was offered to God for him by the church. You can imagine at that time there's Peter in prison and probably going to be executed. And here the, the, the few believers are in there behind a closed door. And they are deeply, with every, every ounce of, of, of sincerity and, and, and prayer in them, calling upon the Lord in this very perilous time in which they find themselves. And that's the same word we have here. Fervently, earnestly, at a stretch. Uh, and that's the, the type of love. Uh, that's the march uh, of the love that the Lord wants. I, I remember in primary school, I'm not going to tell you how long ago it was, I was about 10 at the time, because I remember the, I remember the teacher, uh, it was Wal Moore, and he was a hard man to deal with, and uh, he had given us a homework on, on, on similes. You know, as cold as ice, as cunning as a fox, as sweet as sugar. And I was... Ten year old, and I was sitting doing this, and it was as hot as. And my great aunt was there, and she said, "As hot as love." So I wrote that down, and then my father came in, and he said, "No, no, 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 no." You know, there's something. Ten year old in those days wasn't supposed to know anything about as hot as love, uh, I, and I had to scribble that out. There was no tipex in those days. And I had to scrap, and I can see the page even yet where it was scratched and scraped and as hot as a furnace was put in uh, its place. But maybe, maybe in terms of our relationship with one another, it's not a bad simile at all. I wonder how often our brotherly love towards one another is, is warm, let alone boiling over with love. For one another. We ought to weep over our brothers' faults and rejoice in their successes as much uh, as we do of our own. The marks of Christian love, sincere from a pure motive and intensively. And then the efficient cause of that love. What is the cause of Christian love? This love that one believer has for the other. Is it promoted by our working together, by our coming to know one another better, by constant association in Christian work? 
Is it by having a similar outlook and a similar interest and spending time in one another's company? Look at what the Holy Spirit here says promotes this love. By obeying the truth. By obeying the truth. He says it's by obedience to the truth that Christians are brought to love one another. That's interesting. Obeying the truth, of course, is another way of saying receiving God's salvation. Many, many places in the scripture uh, you have that uh, written for us in Romans Romans chapter 6 and 17. But God be thanked that though you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Obeying the truth, receiving Christ. In 2 Thessalonians 1 and 8, Though you do not know God, those who do not obey the those who do not know God, those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the writer of the Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 9, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Obeying the truth, receiving that great salvation. In every instance, that really means believing, trusting in the Savior. And and this is what brings Christians together, isn't it? This is what causes us to love one another. Uh, Because he is a believer, and he is a believer, and because she is saved uh, from hell, uh, and uh, been awakened and and lifted and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, become a child of God, and so is this one and this one, oh, we share that common bond that unites us. I had a great uncle, Joe Montgomery. Joe fought in the Great War. And he came home. You know, his whole outlook on life was changed. Because having come through all that, his friends, even greater to him, sadly to say, than his wife and family, his friends were the colleagues with whom he had come through those those terrible times. You see, the, the, the bond that was together. But then think of that great bond that is with those for whom the Savior died. And those whom he has called to himself. And those who are made in his image. And together are being made more and more acceptable to him. Being made more and more able to die unto sin and to live unto righteousness. The efficient cause of that love being the children of God. And thirdly, the divine origin of that love. For you have been born again. Our spiritual life is, as John says, not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Not physical birth, but spiritual birth. Not descent from Abraham or, or anyone else for that matter. No matter how privileged or how helpful and, and what a wonderful privilege it is to be born into and brought up in a, a Christian home. But, but that doesn't make us children of God. It's, 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 the, it's the Holy Spirit, the new birth. Uh, 
Ezekiel 11, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh, nor by the will or desire of any other. Man cannot regenerate the heart. Neither ministers nor elders nor anybody else. Believers come what they are solely and entirely by the grace of God, the divine origin of that love. And that's exactly what Peter is saying here in verse 23. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. New birth is of God. Family ties of this life will die. Uh, but the ties of the new family will never die. Those ties of nature and nurture we hold so dear in this life, they're temporary. But those ties that uh, begin when we enter into the new life are eternal. They're God-given. And one day when we enter into his presence in that place where there is no sin, those ties will be perfect. Until that day comes, we're not perfect. My brother and sister in the Lord, they're not perfect. Yet, the Lord commands us who belong to him. As he loves us, so we ought to love one another. We thank God for the great privilege of one another. Sometimes it's not always easy, but nonetheless, we are commanded here to love one another in the Lord. Let's, let's look at one another and remind ourselves that we have that great bond, a bond that life nor death will break, because a bond that will be cemented perfectly in glory when we see him face to face.